SMQB's episode 47. Wow, there was a lot to talk about this week. Boys got a little carried away covering the NFL week 17, talking about what it means to continue to be a fan of a crappy franchise like the Washington football team. Then we talk college football playoffs. We have a new segment we throw at you, some quick hits, a punchable face of the week for the ages, and a really special Ted Lasso. Check it out, five-star review, and have fun. Thanks. SMQBs, this is episode 47. This is going to be an easy one because these stats are unbelievable. Five-time MLB All-Star, played on four World Series championship teams. He was 3-0 in the 84 postseason with two complete game victories in the 84 World Series. 4-0 in the 91 postseason with the 10 inning complete game victory in game Jack seven. Jack Morris. There you go. Let, let, let's just Good one. Jack Morris. And let's go on for a minute because listen to these. He was MVP world series MVP in 91. He gave up the most hits, most earned runs, most home runs of any pitcher in the eighties, but he also started the most games pitched the most innings and had the most wins of any pitcher of the decade. And he's one of eight players in MLB history to have won back-to-back World Series championships on different teams. He also has a super ridiculous impersonation of Asians, apparently. <laughs> what? what? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so wait, so 84 wow. was who, Detroit? Yep. And then who's 91? The twins, twins, right? The twins. twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what and happened back in to that? back with the Blue Jays? Yeah. What happened in that ten inning game? What was the result in that? I forget about that. You won, right? Isn't that the Kirby? Isn't that the Kirby Puckett game? Oh yeah, maybe yeah. that was That's against the Braves. The Braves. Yep. I'm getting old. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty impressive. I, I, uh, I you know, he always strong. knew he was a hell of a pitcher, but those. That's pretty. I mean, he owned the eighties. Basically, so yeah, that's your uh, episode forty-seven, Jack Morris. Uh, Listen, this is this is the part of the show where I try and make fun of the Eagles' quarterback situation. But listen, it's a new year. This is our our first episode of twenty twenty-two, year two of the SMQBs, and my New Year's resolution was to stop picking on the Eagles. It also doesn't hurt that I hate my own franchise and team so much. (laughs) That I really don't have any space in my heart for hate of the Eagles at this point. Wow! So Toby, house, you're off the hook. You're all love it. Hook. Wow! I love it. Man, I'll send you. Uh, I'll send you some apparel. Let me know your favorite player. Uh, everybody have a good uh, New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, hey, one of my resolutions was to drink more. I've got my cocktail today. <laughs> nice. Excellent. What is that? That's is that some Kool Aid. Is that a wine? It's a little little Cabernet. Nice. Uh, sophisticated. Was that a family de- was that a family decision? Like did you hey. sit around and come up with those together? Sometimes you got to look in the mirror and know that you've got a problem and I'm trying <laughs> to rectify that, all right? That's good. 
That's good. <laughs> well, listen, we got a, uh, a little bit of a new segment to ring in the new year. Um, we're going to start it out with, this is the Roosters wake up call. Well, for this wake up call, we are going to, uh, we're actually going to focus on a former Eagle, a 1958 draft pick, uh, by the Eagles, one John Madden, um, you know, as part of our uh, honoring of Coach Madden, we're going to focus a little quiz today uh, on John Madden facts, and then we'll do a little pour out to him later on in the show. Um, so I've got some questions for you guys. Let's see how how up you are on all these Madden facts. While playing ball at Cal Poly in college, how many positions did Madden play? Uh, back Three? then? Mm-hmm. Three. I'm gonna go with two. Yeah, mul- multiple. I'd say three. Four or five. Bison and Pope hit the nail on the head. Can anyone tell me what positions he played? One was offensive line. Mm-hmm. He's probably a punter. You always yeah, got throw in like like punter, right? Some some sort of kicking function. Yeah. That gets you to the third. Right. Tight end. Uh, anyone? Defensive end. You're going to love this, Bison. He played offensive line and defense on the football team. I think he was a linebacker, but I'm not 100%. And catcher on the baseball team. Oh, oh okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. the guy was quite an athlete. That was a wow. trick question. Though. I think if he How hadn't kind of blown out his knee. What question is that? Yeah, trick question. It was a I said while playing ball. Well, how many positions did he play? I didn't say ball. football. Gotta oh, pay, play, pay attention. That was a trick question. Yeah, it's gonna oh, be boy. gonna be a long year, right. Rooster. Yeah. All yeah. right. Oh, all right. So he was a coach. We all know that he was a coach of the Raiders. He coached from '67 to '78 as a coach. Now pay attention to that as a coach of the Raiders. Yeah. During that period of time, how many Super Bowl appearances did the Raiders make? 67 to 78. Um, Four. I'm going to take the under. I want want to say that's also three. Yeah, I think three also. Yeah, I'll go with three. Nobody got that one right. Two. Two. Super Bowl two in 1968 when he was a position coach. Raiders lost to the Packers, right. 33 to 14. And then the one we know about, Super Bowl 11, 1977, Raiders beat the Vikings, 32 to 14. Who can tell me who was the MVP of that Super Bowl? 1977, Super Bowl 11. Yeah, Raiders won. Ooh. I'm going to go with uh, Stabler. I'm going to go with Cliff Branch. Good guess. Anyone? Stabler. Nope. This is before my time. Cliff yeah. Branch was a good guess, but the wrong answer. Anybody else? Dave Casper. <laughs> also close, but the wrong answer. No idea. Think, no idea. think ch- children's shoulder pads. That didn't help. Yeah, that. No. As opposed to really. adults. Fred Bolitnikoff. Oh, was uh, known for wearing children-sized shoulder pads so he could have more movement and I, less weight. 
we should have gotten that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Disappointed, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So after Madden, this is the last one. After Madden took over as head coach in 69 until he retired in 78 after 78 season, how many times did the Raiders finish first in what was in the 69 season called the AFL and thereafter the AFC West? First in the West, how many times between 69 and 78? Five? I'm going to go with seven. It might have been seven. Yeah, that's like it was a lot. Too. Um, yeah, yeah, I like a high number there. Yeah. Seven, seven is correct. 1969 nice. through 70 and 72 through 76. Wow. They finished first in their division. And only went to two. Super only won one Super Bowl? Or? Yeah. As wow. head coach, he only went to one. They, you know, don't forget there was Chuck Knoll of the Steelers and Don Shula of the right. Dolphins. I mean, this Steelers is a tough, are tough time to be coaching in the AFC. Yeah, that's true. Sure. And you know, people people would say things like he wasn't a great coach. I don't know. I think he, from everything I've heard, he was a hell of a coach. I mean, they won the division just about every year. He he yeah. had like more wins. I think he had the highest winning percentage. Highest. Of a coach. Win- he had a point seven five nine winning percentage of any coach of. Uh, uh, you know, and which is the highest of anyone who's won at least 100 games. Yeah. And more notably, they didn't count any ties in calculating that winning percentage. <laughs> <laughs> ties are for pussies, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Waffle House. All right. All right. Good work, Rooster. That was that was, that was, that was good. That was questions. good. I'm looking that forward to those this year. Yeah. Let's talk about sure, things uh, that happened in uh, this millennium next time. Yeah. <laughs> Alice, well, talk to us about week 17. Well, what a day we had in the NFL yesterday. I think most importantly, we had Rooster versus House in the Fantasy Football League Championship, where it's it's pretty much all but over. Uh, I mean, hey, hey, you're not I, dead yet. I've seen I, Monday Night Miracles before. It's just a scratch. I need, <laughs> I need 52 room. points from Nick Chubb. But anyway, um, yeah, we we had a lot of playoff picture get clarified yesterday. Um, the AFC will now go through Tennessee. Uh, the Titans brought the Finns and Tua Mania back down to earth. The Pack uh, just laughed the I guess COVID decimated Vikings, I guess at quarterback, but it doesn't, it didn't matter who was showing up for the Vikings last night. Um, Aaron Rodgers is on all cylinders. Devonte Adams is on all cylinders. That is going to be a tough place to play. So we now have the NFL going through Tennessee and green Bay, but we had some other really significant games yesterday. The Raiders are not done yet uh, that they are showing yep. some moxie. They, they beat the Colts 23, 20, they kept their hopes alive, and the final game of the NFL season next week will be the Sunday night game, Raiders-Chargers for all the marbles, the last AFC wild Both card nine spot. and seven. So that that impressed me about the Raiders. The Rams held on, leaving the palm trees behind, and beat a gutty uh, Ravens team 20-19. to The Eagles, in a pretty remarkable turnaround story of their own this season went down to a stadium that was falling apart but kept it together to win 20 to 16 
We'll hear more about that a little bit later. Cheers uh, to the Eagles, House. Cheers to the Eagles. We gotta thanks, give it buddies. It's uh, it's nice to be back in the mix, even if it's short lived. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes a a recovery against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Mac attack got back uh, on track in a big, big way. But I guess the two big stories in the NFL yesterday happened in New York and in Cincinnati. In New York, the Jets were putting a pounding on the Bucks. I mean, everybody was in shock. 24 yeah. to 10, and the Bucks were nowhere to be found. And the Tom Brady show ensued in the fourth quarter with really no one to throw to. His last receiver literally left the building, which we'll <laughs> talk about later at length. And with with no one playing receiver, with no one really playing running back, I think Ronald Jones had left that game early too. With the ankle injury, right? Yeah, he was hurt. They won. Le'Veon Bell, baby. <laughs> but I think I think all the all the accolades and the news have to go to the no longer bungles, the Bengals. Uh, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. I, if this year is kind of uh, preview of coming attractions. The NFL is in store for something else. Milk having March- a celebratory drink there. Oh yeah. God, I feel like I called this. Yeah. Uh, Jamar Chase broke his teammate Justin Jefferson's rookie receiving record. Jamar Chase now with a game to go as fourteen hundred twenty nine yards as a rookie. He really could be in the mix as one of the candidates for Offensive Player of the Year in the AFC. He had 266 yards, three receiving touchdowns. He broke the Bengals records for most receiver receiving yards by a Bengals game, by a Bengals player in a game, the most receiving yards for any rookie in NFL history in a game. Joe Burrow is throwing 400 yards every week. And of all things, the Bengals are the chiefs of the AFC North. They are the champs. That's crazy, 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 yeah. crazy. Yeah. So. It was an exciting week. I am looking forward to the playoffs. I'm going to leave it to Pope. I'm going to turn the NFL over to Pope now. Hey, hey, before we go there, did you did you guys hear the announcer say that this is the first time in history that a five-loss team has gotten the number one seed in the AFC? Yeah. Wow. There's been a lot of parity this year. What was the result of the Burrow injury? I think he's fine. It was a sprained ankle. Yeah, same leg though. It, so it, it was, was not the knee. It was not the. It knee. wasn't the knee. Okay, all right. I never. I uh, we, I saw it happen and then never heard anything about it. We got to go down to Dallas because I know we're all broken up and really upset about what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys. You guys are upset, right? Really sad. <laughs> yes. Heartbroken. <laughs> I was upset last night. Crushed. It seems so, like your. It seems like your head. Your uh, your offensive coordinator may be out of the head coach consideration <laughs> right now. Well, I don't. I don't think one game is going to make a difference there. I, I, I think you know the way the Cowboys are looking at it is, uh, they they've lost the number two seed now. Um, they had to win out. Uh, the Rams, you know, performed a miracle and came back and won that game. Uh, so it was all right there for the Cowboys. All they had to do was beat the Cards, and then go up and beat the the Eagles next week, and they would be the number two seed. Um, but all roads clearly lead through Lambeau. And when you start breaking it down, you know, obviously the Cowboys, 
They haven't beaten a 500 a team over 500 since mid October. Um, they're five and four since they were six and one. Uh, all the questions about Dak that they thought they had put away in the Washington game on Sunday night that look, looks like a false positive now. Um, they're all back. Uh, big question mark on the running game. You know, why did they abandon it so soon? Uh, a lot of questions on the play calling in that game. Um, but the, the Cowboys do actually, I think, benefit from the possibility or the probability they're going to play the Cardinals again in two weeks back in Dallas. And as bad as the Cowboys played, and, and they did not play well, they, they could have won that game. They missed a field goal, a chip shot, uh, and they had a fumble that, you know, we can talk about that, but uh, because it was outside of two minutes, it wasn't automatic review. And McCarthy had had to use a timeout earlier when uh, uh, Coach Bro had confused him by trying to look like they were going for a fourth and goal. Uh, he had to use a timeout, so he didn't have it to challenge. Um, all that being said, you know, as bad as the Cowboys played, they almost won that game, or they could have won that game. So I think the Dallas fans, at least from my perspective, feel pretty good about playing the Cardinals in the first in the wild card round at home. They don't think they can do it again. Now, next you know game though, clearly, assuming they win, they got to go to Lambeau. And um, one of my takeaways is going to be comparing quarterbacks uh, of the playoff teams. But Dak has shown us uh, nothing um, in his arsenal that they can go up to uh, Green Bay and pull off the big upset. So. Um, you know, it looks like another year without the NFC championship in Dallas and uh, Jerry will be crushed. But, you know, that's kind of where we are right now. And Pope, Zeke was not hurt, right? Tony Pollard was getting carries because he was the better running back at the end of that game, right? Tony Pollard is more explosive. And because of the, some of the play calls, trying to need big yardage, especially on little pass plays, Pollard was getting the bulk of the carries. Zeke is not hurt. Um, he's probably not hundred percent though. I mean, he still has that lingering, uh, knee issue, but you know, he's, uh, it's not an excuse. I mean, they, they abandoned the running game and, and you could see, uh, that they were Vance Joseph's uh, called a great game. The D coordinator for the, the Cardinals, they were coming and, uh, Dallas did nothing to try to, you know, shake it up. Horrible fumble by Dak. It was. Horrible. It was, but you know, you guys all watched the game. Isaiah Simmons is uh, as good a you know young defensive stud as as uh, we've seen in a while. And what an amazing play he did! You know, he he got blocked a good block by Zeke. He still came back and he punched the ball out as Dak was falling down. So um, it's hard to blame Dak for that. It was it was effort. Uh, it was just an amazing play by the Cardinal to uh, you know to to knock it out, but. Dak fumbled and and where they had a chance to come with a fourth quarter comeback, Dak fumbled, whereas Burrow, uh, Brady, and Stafford all led their teams to fourth quarter comebacks. Okay, you uh, lost you one of your difference. wide receivers to a bad injury, too. That's yeah, sad. Gallup's out for the year, ACL. Uh, that's sad. Yeah. I like him. And he's, and he's a good player. That was a heck he's of a, a good player. player. Yeah. Well, um, Cedric Pope, Wilson Pope, will be filling in. Pope, yeah. Look, I, I agree with you that it's very hard to beat a team at their home place twice, particularly so close. I mean, that, that is a big advantage for the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are frauds. I mean, I think you pointed it out. I think you pointed it out two weeks ago on this pod that they haven't beaten anybody good in 
since New England. And, and you're that's spot right. on. And, and that's being highlighted right now. They are not a very good football team. For whatever reason, part of it is, you know, every time they show Mike McCarthy on the sideline, I just sort of chuckle to myself because I'm like, God, they got all that talent and they're going to fuck it up with McCarthy as their coach. But like, you know, the Dallas fans need to, you know, they, they, they've they got to dry themselves off. They're so wet over Micah Parsons. I mean, it, it's just like for good reason, not that you're not that good a team. And I think but Micah Parsons is that good. Mace, what does that say about what does that say about Washington then? Oh, (laughs) I got plenty to say. I got plenty I can say about Washington. I've I think I I said it last week and I might have some more now. You're not hurting me with that. But try the try try rooting for the worst team in all of sports. I I mean, it's just an overrated, overhyped team. That's it. If they always have been, except for one little stretch, you know, two times, two times in their history, I guess they were. They were worth the hype, but they get so much hype and attention, well, and they're I mean, not deserving of Three out of four of Super Bowls is kind of more. That's than what hype. I'm saying. Yeah, no, but that's no. what I'm saying. There's two right. times in their history that they deserved it, and because of those, you know, sort of two stretches, they get overhyped, you know, all the time. Jimmy Johnson oh, could come in right now and be the best coach in the NFC East. No question. Mm-hmm. No oh, wait. question. Oh wait. Sirianni might be better. Oh, here we go. Bruce I don't think so. Oh. I don't think so. No, I think that I, I think the Eagles are better than all of you give them credit for being. And I and I don't think that it's a given that the Cowboys will beat the Eagles. But Sirianni's a, Sirianni's a surprisingly good coach. Until he wins two Super Bowls, he's not Jimmy Johnson. I mean, one season doesn't make someone a, a good yeah, coach. Yeah, either. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. But well, you well know, it's, we're it's all sad for you. House, it's interesting because they flexed our game and they put it on Saturday night. So we're not going to have the benefit of knowing any results. So you have to win. Right? So the Cowboys can't just assume Both that the Bucks and Rams are going to win because if they didn't play hard to win and the Bucks and Rams somehow got upset, then they just spit, you know, they just screwed themselves on the number two seed. Well, I think the NFL might end up uh kind of questioning their decision there. The Eagles have about 14 players on the COVID list. The Cowboys are already minus five uh, at the Eagles. I mean, I don't think the Eagles are going to play any of their players. Um, There's some really interesting, I don't know much about the AFC playoff scenarios, but I was uh, talking to Milk earlier in the day. Basically, yes, Dallas is going to play Arizona and most likely the Rams are going to be playing the Niners, there's 22 out of 32 scenarios have the Eagles at the Bucks. If the if <laughs> Eagles if if, if, the, if the Eagles beat Dallas, 14 out of 16 scenarios have them at Tampa, and if Dallas beats the Eagles, still eight out of 16 scenarios have the Eagles at Tampa. With the next closest being four scenarios at the Rams. So, although I think, right now uh, it says Rams, right now it does. Right now, but I I think. You think it's gonna be the Bucks. That, that Frisco is going to lose to LA. So if the uh, and the Bucks are going to beat the Panthers, which means it's a six-three matchup, Philly six, Tampa three. Where, so who's going to play running back game? and and second wide receiver for you? For the Bell? Bucks, yeah, yeah. Oh, Le'Veon Bell, baby! <laughs> <laughs> wow, oh my God. Uh, old band another another Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm not worried about wide cast receiver. off. You're not worried about wide receiver. You think 
Who's going to step up? Who's going to step up? We've got a number. We've got Evans. Hey, well, maybe Edelman. I like, I like this retirement. racing guy, Tyler Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Get the band I said back also together. To Mel, has Brady ever needed some marquee player at wide receiver to win a Super Bowl? Look at the look I at mean, that touchdown to Grayson yesterday. Now we need a running back. Talking about the former Duke uh, basketball player, Grayson? <laughs> Grayson, Grayson Allen, that little shit. <laughs> His first name is Cyril. Cyril. Okay. All right. Well, that's the NFL. Who uh, who's chomping at the bit for their first first takeaway this week? Well, I House, you asked me a couple of weeks ago to do a task for you and research uh, what From home field advantage is going to mean. Yes, Pope. Yes. So I've, I'm ready. Let's. Can I roll with that? Yes. Yeah. Do it. We've got stats. All right. So out of the last last five years, what do you think the record is of the number one seeds in their in their games going into this uh, the playoff games? How many games have been played? Like, what are we what are we talking about? Like ten games? Yeah. Let's say there's there, well, there's ten games. So what do right. you think their what do you think the record is of number one seeds? Eight and two. Eight and two. Five six and, and five. Six and four. Wow. Five and five. Oh, what is the five question? And five. five and five. Number one seeds. Number one seeds. Yep. Number so one seeds first, in their first, in their first game? playoff game. Yeah, it's not good. Not well. So to get to the Super Bowl, right? That in, in the last five years, the number one seed in the NFC was Dallas in 17. We know what happened there. Green Bay beat them. Eagles in 18. What happened there, House? Super Bowl. We won. Saints in 19. What happened there? They lost. Rams. That Rams. was the pass interference. The pass interference. Was, yes. Yes. Yeah. 20. 49ers. They lost. Lost the Super Bowl. No, they so won the, the Super Bowl. So yeah. they at least got, yeah, you know, they got through. And 21 was, was Green Bay. And what happened to them, Milk? Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did, and in the AFC, so the Pats in 17, Super Bowl champ. 18, Pats. They won. No. Oh, they lost so oh, eight oh. from uh, the Northeast. Uh, green, feathered. Oh, you're talking about in the Super Bowl. Yeah, ultimately they lost. Oh, I thought you were talking about their first game. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. But they got they got through. Both both years they got through with a got through. advantage. The Chiefs uh in 2019 um lost the Super Bowl to Okay, but home field counted for them. That, that's from that's what really no, no, the no. questions. In 2019, the Chiefs lost the AFC championship game. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. To to the Pats. Okay. 2020 Ravens. 2020 was Ravens. Division loser to Tennessee. Y'all remember that upset? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 2021 Chiefs got through, lost Super Bowl to Milk. Hmm. Tampa. Right. And then the other cheaters. Other interesting stat is Green Bay under Aaron Rodgers. What do you think his NFC championship record is? Terrible. Uh, I wonder how five many out of five games. One out of one in four. One in four. Yeah. No one way. Four. No way. Yeah. yeah. One in Did four. Did you see his playoff record? And it's almost five hundred. And at Lambeau, what is his record? 
a NFC Championship game. Ofer, oh and one. He's only had one at home, and he lost it last year. So I have another one. All of that to say that House, I think. Thank you for making me look into the uh, stats, but home field advantage does not mean as much as it you think it does. Now this year, maybe it's different because of the bye. And, you know, we don't have any idea how that's going to play in. But but think about it. If Tennessee beats the Texans, uh, then they're going to get basically two weeks off to let King Henry rehabilitate and come back, and he'll be ready to go uh, in the division round. Um, and the number one seed, you know, Green Bay, obviously that's going to give their – they have a bunch of players coming back uh, off the injured reserve. Uh, so it could really help out Green Bay. And then – uh, you know, Rodgers is obviously extra motivated to win a championship game at home. Um, but it doesn't mean just because you got the AFC, NFC home field advantage, you're going to make it through. No. And, and by the way, Tennessee has got a tough road. They, if things stay the way they are, they'd have to play Buffalo, assuming Buffalo or Buffalo or New England in their first game. Both losable games for Tennessee. Right. Yeah. Right, as, as things stand now, you'd have Pats at Bills rematch, too. And, I mean, unless somebody like Indy or whatever makes an upsets somebody. You never Good know stuff, Pope. Good stuff. I know take you guys away. all want to hear about the Eagles, so I'll just do my takeaway. Right. So there's only one team in all of the NFL who's been in the playoffs uh, I mean, excuse me, there's only one team who's been in the playoffs more than the Eagles since 2017, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. Other than the Kansas City Chiefs, the Eagles have – it's their fourth time in five years. What they've done to come back from 4-11-1, and you think about what has happened in a drama-filled offseason with all the Carson Wentz stuff. They have a 23-year-old playing – basically his first full season as quarterback. They have a rookie coach who basically has been a position coach and they started off the season two and five and were left for dead. And this turnaround story is one of the better ones. Look, you can only play who's on your schedule. And after all, Washington had those teams to play like other teams could have taken the step forward and the Eagles were the ones who did it. The Saints had a schedule that was playable. The Vikings had a schedule that was playable. The Eagles took their schedule. They made the best out of it. And I, my takeaway is that this the fact that they have the last week off, basically, they don't even have to play because they've clinched with one game to go after starting two and five with all this offseason drama is one of the better turnaround stories in the NFL in a while. I don't expect us to beat I think we could beat Arizona. I don't expect us to beat the Cowboys at home or the Rams at home or the Bucks at home, but we are on the right track. And I think this has earned Jalen one more year to see what now we can put around him. We've got three first round picks, our own and the Colts and Miami. And even if they're in the twenties, three first round picks is worth something and what's expected to be a pretty deep draft. So you could pack those. Takes a Good. special prognosticator to pick them for a lock, too. Nay, so you yes, very special. Can we? Can you like end your resolution now? 
might have to. I know. I know. Oh my god. <clears throat> oh. Yeah. What's up next? I'm gonna. I have a quick one. You guys remember that the Panthers and the um, Broncos were four and zero to start the season. <laughs> Panthers won exactly one more game since then. Yeah. And, no, yeah. yeah. I'm just unbelievable. I mean, how how fast the team can go south. I think the the Broncos won three more games since then and are about to lose their head coach. Well, the it's the, crazy. The Panthers has been a I mean, train wreck. Train wreck. And bringing Cam Newton back was. I mean, yeah. that's the death knell for any team right now. Yeah. Killed the the, oh. Pat, the Patriots last year. Right. The owner says the owner said he's embarrassed of the contract he wrote for Matt Rule to be the right. Panthers head coach. Right. Oh, that hurts. Cool. And you know, Christian um, McCaffrey has not had a uh, injury-free season in what three years? Yep. Yeah, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. That's a shame. Feel terrible about I, that. I feel like Bison really wants the last word today, Milk. So you better. Yeah, he's go. really holding off. He is. Oh. he's biting through his tongue. I look. I this is. I'm gonna make my um, comment about me. And <laughs> wow, and enough wanna, about you. Let's talk about me. I would, what do you think about me? I want more and more recognition for my comments about Joe Burrow, and uh, I predicted. And I, if our listeners can go back to the tape. Uh, Joe Burrow would be a very successful NFL quarterback, and he may win a Super Bowl, or he's wait, going to win a Super Bowl. I think wait, multiple wait, he may win a Super Bowl this year. Multiple Super Bowls. He's done none of that. Multiple Super Bowls. He may win one this year. He's thrown for, is it a thousand yards in the last two games? Almost, just shy. And how many touchdowns? Eight. Eight. And how many interceptions? Zero. Zero. Okay, against good teams, right? Well, the Chiefs at least. Um. So, you know, see when he throws three pick sixes <laughs> in his first play, when he throws three pick sixes in his first playoff game, we're playing this, this back. It'll be the first time <laughs> we actually play back a segment. There no, are partner, some, that was going to be my takeaway was how right you were about. Jim. There are some podcasters that just know more than others. Well, you're <laughs> not one of those, but you do deserve <laughs> credit for this. And one of those. And that's it. That's all I got. Mace, you're up. Well, listen, I, I I think first of all, it's it's we we commented a while ago, a couple weeks ago, that there didn't seem that there was a really dominant team in the NFL this year, and I think that's playing out. Particularly, Rooster, to your point before about the uh, the one seed in the AFC having five uh, five losses for the first time, Um, it's it's really confusing as to who is the hot team going in, but that's not my takeaway. I, I, my takeaway is really something that I want to spend a couple of minutes discussing because there's been a lot of banter on Washington football team boards about the attendance at FedEx field. And you really come into two camps on this, right? You have, you have your people who, who are mortified and, and just furious that people would conceivably, you know, give tickets to fans of other teams and that the stadium would be overwhelmed with, with the other team's fans. Uh, I think I saw a couple people who, who 
thought that it was about 80% Philly fans yesterday. 80%. And then there's the camp that I fall into, which is this organization is such a complete, unmitigated fucking disaster that why anyone feels compelled to go to a game. I mean, I'm not talking about rooting for your team, right? Rooting for your team is one thing, but the stadium literally is falling apart. Taking your life in your hands. Right. I mean, we, when was that built by the way? Let's it was built in 1997. It's not old. I mean, as far as stadiums go, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of new ones in the NFL, but it's not an old building. Um, Let's not forget that week one, when we lost to the chargers by the same scores we lost yesterday, by the way, a rainwater pipe burst onto a section of, of fans. That was week one of the season. The stadium's falling apart. It's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Uh, it takes forever to get out of the parking lot after awful. the game there. It's awful. it's awful. It's a terrible fan experience. And that doesn't even have anything to do with it, – it's not even like – I wish I could say they were worse. I wish they were worse because it's this complete mediocrity that is what drains your soul of, of the love of a franchise. I mean – you know, every year, six and 10, you know, seven and nine. Uh, this year, we're going to get a chance to lose one extra game than, than any other season because we're playing an extra one. That's great. But, I, you know, my takeaway is is really that I think that you can be a real fan of a team and want them to completely fail because I, I, at this point, I don't know what's better for this franchise. I mean, if they taste a little bit of success, then there's not going to be any pressure on Dan Snyder. But the bottom line is he's an, he's a complete failure as an owner. In in 23 seasons, and I think I said this last week too, 23 seasons owning the team, they have five winning records and two playoff wins. That's in an NFL. Oh, and by the way, that uh, it, it can go back even a little bit further, the the uh, the complete failure of the organization even before Dan Snyder, but like since the modern free agency uh, period in 1993 started, I think we have five playoff appearances since 1993. I mean, it's just it's it's dismal, and I think my takeaway is sometimes you're a better fan if you just just root for your team to fail because I don't know what else how, how you get out of this situation. Bison, I don't I don't fully believe you because if you wanted your team to fail, I don't think you would have had that television on still with 20 seconds to go complaining about a pass interference call. You love your team and you want them to win. It's in your blood. It's in my blood. Yes, in the past, I've said, oh, come on, we'll get a better draft pick. But once I turn on that dial, I can't help but root for my team. It's in the blood. It's in your blood, too. It's in you. It's, says it's not about it's not about rooting for the team, though. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, this one game. Sure, you want to win the game. I get that. But like, I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, how do you bring down an owner? I mean, that's the thing. Maybe that's the the takeaway is you can't bring down these these owners. You can't vote them out. You can't. I mean, unless Congress decides to get involved, this guy's not going anywhere. And it's 
there's no hope. There's no hope for the Washington franchise. Well, you're, I think you're. I think you're both right. During the game, your heart takes over and you root for your team. Once the game is over, your rational self takes over and you're like, what would be best for the team? What would be best for my team is that we lose every game from from now until the end of the year, and that the Jets win, win beat the Bucks, which they almost did. That would have been best for my team. But during a game, I'm I'm rooting for Saquon to break one off like he used to and go 60 to the house, you know, but that's not what's best for our team right now. We need, we need to draft the left tackle from Alabama. We just do. No, you guys need quarterbacks. Well, it's they're not going to do that, though. They're not going to do that. Danny so Dimes well build is fucking the, awful. We and might Taylor as well Heineke's build the go. We, we might as well build the line and then and then milk. It's not a very good quarterback draft. Good quarterback. Though. Yeah, but milk, I, I you, agree. They get it in free agency. Or get something. the guy from Pitt late. Late. But milk, you you suffered through this for for fourteen years of of it. I mean, did you did you have days where you just saw no light at yes. all? Are you? Kidding? How they did were, you survive? But maybe they were you guys, that. Maybe you guys remember some of the texting that was going on. Yeah, they were they were used to it I though. Bison, they were an expansion team. They never. Davis Winston sucked ass. One year, it, uh, <laughs> we come from storied, come from storied are, franchises. The Bucks are a prime example of why the quarterback position is so important. There's no difference between the 2019 very little, okay, you, Antonio Brown, Fournette, whatever. The 2019 Bucks and the 2020 Rob Bucks. Rob Gronkowski. Wrong. I mean, you're out. You're Come smoking. Cameron Bright was on the team. We had plenty of guys like and OJ Howard. Winston threw 36 interceptions his last year. 36 interceptions. Yeah, that's that's oh. extreme. Oh, what do you what do you think about like the blind loyalty of just continuing to go and root and you know like like you know this idea that you can't you're asking bad about yeah no no, no, he's, no, already, no. he's already he's already switched battle. teams that he's rooting for during this podcast hope is a Packers <laughs> fan right now <laughs> he's, he's Look, heading to Lambo next week <laughs> Lambo lead baby so. Oh my God. Oh, I'm working on my cheese head on Amazon right now. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. So, yeah, okay. so Bison, to your point, I, you know, Dallas is probably as close to the despair uh, of the Washington, you know, fan base over the last 26, 27 years. I mean, we, we, we uh, last went to the championship game in 96, last one a Super Bowl 96, uh, you know, our dominance came right after, you know, the Redskins dominance. So uh, we've, we've both been in the wilderness for over a generation. Uh, the, you know, the kids now, they don't, they don't even remember when Dallas was a winning team. Um, somehow, some way, Jerry Jones, though, has uh, beat Dan Snyder, you know, maybe at, at, at his own game. But, you know, Jerry is reviled by a lot of uh, Dallas fans because he, uh, thinks he's smarter than everyone in the room and he won't hire a football guy for GM. Uh, but, you know, he is a big promoter of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, everything is done uh, to the nines. Jerry World is, you know, a, like the eighth wonder of the world. Um, there's still just a, uh, you know, whether it's mythology or not, there's still this great respect uh, that people have, the NFL has for the Dallas Cowboys. Well, and um, Jerry respects his fans. You're the Cowboys fans. 
Well, does he? Because if he respected us, he'd leave as a fucking GM and bring in a Well, yeah, but I mean, it's a great fan experience to go to a game. He's done a good job last night. We don't have any shits on the Redskins fans. We don't have any crumbling infrastructure at Jerry World. So, you know, that we got that going for us. Although we did have during that ice again during the Super Bowl, we had big ice chunks fall off the roof and uh, hurt, hurt a bunch of people pretty seriously. You got sued for that. So um, did you run over somebody with a golf cart there? Uh, that, that was actually, they had, a, they had a tent blow down and hurt someone too. Well, yeah, they had, yeah, that was the, but that's uh, because nobody in Dallas knows how to deal with any weather situation. <laughs> no, look, no, I, I, no I, question. I don't think it's, but, but to my point it's, though, I, I understand his angst, and I think if Jerry was doing some of the stupid shit that Snyder's doing now, that they would, uh, uh, his fan base would be a lot thinner than he thinks. Look, I, I don't, because of the television contract, I don't think the fans can effectively protest and economically boycott a team. It doesn't matter if you don't show up to the games. It doesn't matter if you don't buy the jerseys because the billions of dollars in TV revenue that's shared by the owners will keep his pocket stuff for a long time. I know it's a way, way different situation, but and it's only whatever, 11 players, but you know, you had a, a women's basketball team that had the players basically say, we will not play for this owner. They forced her out in Georgia. Now, I don't know that that could ever happen in an NFL situation. I don't know if with the and, NFL. And got her thrown out of Congress, too. <laughs> but, you know, the Trump only thing that. that could really happen is if is if the players really said, I'm demanding a trade. I want out of here. I'm pulling a Deshaun Watson. Like, I'm not playing for, and I'm going to run your team into the ground. Apparently, though, Snyder doesn't care enough. He doesn't care that much about winning. Or he's just tough. stupid. It's tough. Because he does seem to spend money, which I've always... Look, it's so funny. When the Bucks were going through this horrendous... Like, our text chain in Tampa was, fuck the Glaziers. The Glaziers suck. It was all Glaziers, Glaziers. You know the last time I saw a negative text about the Glaziers? Two years. Never. Yeah. yeah. Before, Two before years Brady. ago. Now it's, it's the savior. They're awesome. Blah, blah, blah. I can change very, very quickly. They're just idiots. They need they need a good GM. They need somebody to understand football. I don't know. They're making horrible decisions. They make good uh, draft picks, though. It's, well, you do. It's, I mean, the Cowboys. I'm talking about the Cowboys now. Well, I'm talking about Washington. The last thing I'm. Well, you do have a GM, was, though, right? Bison, you yeah, have we, a GM. We do. Well, Rivera is the is the head of everything. You know, the the last thing I'll say about about Washington is this: it seems like, and this is where it comes down to the owner. It, it, like good people go there and become complete fucking assholes yeah, like right. immediately overnight. Like people right. go into that building and it's such a toxic, horrible place that good people go there and become, you know, maybe not bad people, but they all just make terrible decisions. And it's really, it's really sad. And it's, and it's unfortunate. Hey, so. can we move on to the locks? I'm on a damn roll here. No, you are yeah. on a roll. <laughs> Let yeah. me just say this about the locks. There, no one puts Rooster in the corner and says, you have two wins. He's just not going to take it. So Rooster taking the Eagles minus three. Eagles easily covered with a four-point win. And Rooster moves to three and 14. Congratulations. Wow. Good job. We have it also, also locked up at the top. 
the milk taking the pats minus 15 and a half in his new anti-Jaguar strategy has now moved to nine and eight. You're making money have, with me. Nine we and have, eight. We've we have got a great, proud of you, we've milk. Got a great, man. great wild card situation here. We've got two teams at six and 11, one at seven and 10. I moved to six and 11 with the win by the Titans minus three and a half. Pope also had the Titans minus three and a half, which moved him to seven and 10. Such and an easy Bison, Bison with the Bills winning by 14 came just a half point short on his 14 and a half spread and took the loss at six and 11. So we are into our final week. Bragging rights are now firmly in Milk's hands. Let's make some people money in the most impossible week in the NFL to bet. Who wants to go first? Let's take our three game winner on the season. Uh, Rooster. Well, okay. The last time I looked, the line on the Pats at Dolphins was Pats minus two and a half. Is that right? The Pats have a lot at stake in this game. And I'm, and the Dolphins are out, right? So yeah, Dolphins are out. I like the Chiefs at Broncos. It's six and a half. It's the Pats are minus six and a half, by the way. All right. All right. Well, what's the line on the Chiefs and the Broncos? The Chiefs and the Broncos line uh, is Chiefs minus 10. All right. I'm going to stick with the Pats. I think the Pats really have to win this game. And uh, I think, House, you're right. The Dolphins have been exposed as a fraud that they were. I'm going Pats by, by a touchdown over the Dolphins. All right. From last place to first place, Milk. I think you know, right? Okay, you're taking the Colts minus 15 and a half Carson against Wentz the Jaguars? And 15 and a half. The Jaguars have quit. They've completely quit on the year. They can lose. All right. And now, now we get into the wild card teams. Um, Bison, what do you got there? I got the Titans over the Texans. Minus 10 and a half. Okay. Interesting. Um, I will, um, go next with, I, I think we're going to see a little bit of an upset. Um, the chargers are favored by three on the road at the Raiders. I'm impressed by what they're doing. And I think they're actually going to have some advantage in that home field. I think the Raiders are going to shock people, knock off Herbert and the chargers, and they're going to cover the plus three. So I got the Raiders plus three which leaves us to Pope. So this, this was a, a shocking line to me because uh, the Browns are basically out of contention and uh, the Bengals are getting three at Cleveland. And it means everything to the Bengals, even though they've clenched the North, they, they need to either stay in their spot or they potentially could move up depending on, you know, an upset. So uh, I think Cincinnati comes in, Cleveland's not playing for anything. Uh, and in Cincinnati's getting three. I, I like I like the Bengals. It's a good pick. Yeah, that's good pick. weird. That's a weird line. Okay. There's yeah. your NFL. I've bet that game many a times, by the way, and always lost. They hate each other. Yep. That could be a close game. Hope, let's stick with you, man. Let's uh, talk a little college football. I'm sorry, I'm gonna get to take my nap now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean Alabama, Georgia. We we had that we had that 
special college football preview where the, you know, the entire thesis of it was, does college football matter anymore? Uh, and, you know, we had a heated debate about where are we going to be at the end? Are you going to have new teams, old teams, surprise teams? Can a non-power five team get in there? Uh, I mean, it was an exciting year, but ultimately, you know, chalk uh, rises to the top and you got Alabama and Georgia in the national championship game, which is a repeat Ooh. of the SEC championship game. Um, but, you know, it's 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 kind of hard to say that the other teams didn't have their chances. I mean, Michigan was a, a clear Big Ten winner coming in with a lot of steam. Uh, the national media at least got sold on the on the Harbaugh story this year, and uh, a lot of people were predicting that uh, Michigan could could beat Georgia. Uh, and good lord, I mean that that game was over if after the first quarter at halftime it was twenty seven to three, uh, and the Michigan fans and that Mason Blue was clearly more you know fans there at the Orange Bowl than Georgia. Uh, they they were packing their bags heading back north at halftime uh it's it's another embarrassment for the big 10 uh and a long string of embarrassments in the college football playoffs they just can't compete with the sec uh save with the exception of ohio state with uh ezekiel elliott in 2015 um in the other game you know you had cincinnati and all the pressure was was on Cincinnati. I mean, are, if they, if they win the game, I mean, it's, it's a great upset, you know, it's like Chaminade uh, beating Virginia back in the day, or think of your, you know, uneven great upsets. Uh, but the pressure was on Cincinnati to perform at a level that indicated they could compete, even if they couldn't beat uh, a power team like Alabama. And, um, you know, Alabama kind of slept walk through the game. Uh, you know, they won. They were never really stressed. I mean, it was 17-3 at halftime, and nobody uh, had a, a thought that it was possible that Cincinnati could come back 14 against a team like Alabama and Nick Saban. So um, I think Alabama didn't have an A game, no question, uh, but their B game was still more than necessary to beat a non-Power 5 school. And, and where you could really see it was on the offensive uh, and defensive lines, you know, the, the dominance by Alabama. So it, it leaves us with another great matchup. And amazingly enough, and, and this is just the best, as Saban says, yummy rat poison, Georgia is favored by three, which I'm, I'm not sure I understand. Uh, Alabama just whooped their ass by 17 points in the game that should have mattered to Georgia just as much as it did to Alabama dominated on the lines. Uh, okay, give Kirby Spart another shot at Saban. Fine. Uh, Jimbo Fisher is the only assistant to beat Saban so far, and I don't think Kirby Smart is going to uh, to be able to, you know, to get that big win. Three keys to look for. One is, can Georgia defense, which has been superb all year, can they get to Bryce Young and make him uncomfortable? Because they certainly didn't in the uh, SEC Championship game. And can Stetson Bennett, who just torched the Michigan secondary, uh, can he have any of similar success against Alabama, who's, you know, their secondary's got some injuries? Uh, and the third key is, you know, nobody, nobody goes against Nick Saban uh, for a national championship game as an underdog. He's he's undefeated, and I don't see any way that Alabama loses, but I'll, I want to hear what y'all have to say. 
What were you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I, I'm so tired of Georgia, Alabama. I, I really, it's tiring. I will turn on the game. I don't feel like seeing another SEC championship. I actually will take the bet. I'll take it now with Georgia minus three. I, I know nobody beats uh, none of his uh, proteges beat him, but I think it's going to finally break the curse. And I think, uh, I think, you know, I think Kirby Smart is going to do it. I, while we're on college football, I just want to say because I know how much we love, we all love Notre Dame. Can we please exclude them from anything on January first? <laughs> they are now zero and eight in a BCS or New Year's Day bowl game. Zero and eight. It doesn't. That doesn't matter. Amazing. Doesn't that matter. Was... There's there's a whole group of Americans who feel like. Notre Dame needs to be on TV on January 1st. <laughs> oh my that gosh. Is, yeah, they're, they're smaller the fans, and smaller every day. They're the fans of whoever they're playing because it means their team's going to get a win on January 1st. Yeah. Those are the only people who want to see Notre Dame. Uh, the most it's all going to change, baby. Most frustrating Hope thing. Nothing about, on, oh, 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 go ahead. No. On, on this Alabama, Georgia thing is this. Um, this is not even close to being, I would say this, like if you ask Nick Saban, I bet he would be like, this is one of the worst teams I've ever had. <laughs> like it's up there. Like they, they could have lost multiple games this yep. year. And that's the scary thing. Should have lost to Auburn. Can you, that was a miracle. I mean, can you, I mean, and LSU you know, too, you can pin in if, if Alabama comes out and dominates Georgia, and this is Georgia's one chance to win a national championship. I swear to God, if they do not win it this year, they're <laughs> never going to win a national championship. But if, if Alabama comes out and dominates, it's scary. You can yep. pin them in to win the national championship next year. Like, just pin it in right now. That's going to be – they're going to get bigger and better. Bryce is back. Bryce is back. More experience. I mean, this is not so, a very good Alabama team, and milk. they are in the national championship. I mean, are you it, taking Georgia? Fuck Georgia! I hate Georgia. I hate Alabama. <laughs> it's a nightmare situation. But I got to go with Bama. I, I, I do. I mean, I, uh, I, I think I don't. I think Michigan was overmatched. Stetson Bennett, the fourth or fifth or sixth or whatever, <laughs> put him in front of real players and. And well, he, you saw what happened. He's gonna he's gonna screw that game up. He's gonna throw multiple interceptions. I mean, it's Bama until otherwise. There's Here's more the pressure quiz. on Georgia in this game. Way more oh, pressure. Way more. Yeah, more, yeah, yeah. more Stetson Bennett's in the world than Uggas. <laughs> right. <It's> close. <laughs> I hate that. Rooster, guy. what do you Why got? Does he to put the fourth on his uniform. That's all I can say thing. is I have never I have not heard a better name in all of college sports <laughs> than Sauce. Right. I, oh, hope, I hope that guy makes it in the in the NFL, and by all accounts, he's NFL quality cornerback. Yeah. Who, who do you uh, have in the about game? NFL Take a pick? Who do I pick? I think Alabama. Yeah. I think uh, I think Georgia spits the bit again. You got to go with Bama. I'm taking. Bama. I'm taking Georgia. My other thing is, I really would like to have seen Cincinnati play Michigan in a loser's bracket game, because you yeah. know what, for all the talk of Cincinnati having to show up and play and all the non-power five stuff, 
Michigan was more embarrassing in their game than Cincinnati was. So I'd like to see those know. two teams play in a loser's bracket. Cincinnati couldn't matter. even score a touchdown. I mean, that was. It crazy. doesn't matter because college football is irrelevant at this point, just like some well, of we're us back said to that. at the beginning of the season. Well, I, yeah. I will say that now that I'm. You put Georgia or Ohio or, or, or Alabama and you match them up against any of those teams, Ohio State, Utah, whatever. They would kick their ass. I mean, maybe, but let me tell you something. Now that I'm studying college football, oh, if you guys didn't watch. <laughs> if you guys didn't watch Jackson Smith Najigba on Ohio yeah. State performance, that was awesome. That was yeah. unbelievable. That was, that was yeah. a mind blowing individual performance in that a great game. Three hundred right. yards. Well, what Pope? What night is the game? Monday, January the tenth. Oh, right. busy. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Hey, hey. Right. Moving right along. Say is we do have to have a discussion at some point about when they play these games. New Year's Eve, and I hate this Monday shit. Stupid. It's bullshit. It's stupid. That whole thing bullshit. It's bullshit. Moving right along. Rapid fire round. Real fast around the horn. Who's got something? Uh, I got NBA. one. You go. All right. I'm just going to give it as I did on our TikTok account. A quick shout out. To Alex Ovechkin, who with a goal uh, a couple nights ago against the Detroit Red Wings, became the all-time uh, power play goal leader in the NHL with his 275th power play goal passing Dave Andrichuk. Good job, Ovi. And uh, next up is the Gretzky goal scoring record. Congratulations. NBA. Incredible, incredible record that Steph Curry, 158 straight games with a three-pointer, and the record he beat, Steph Curry, who previously had 157 straight games at another period of time. I mean, the guy's unbelievable. And DeMar DeRozan's back-to-back buzzer beaters and his 29-point games per, per, per game average put him actually in the MVP talk. He's leading the Bulls to the top of the East. Don't forget, too, the Warriors, without Clay Thompson, have the best record in the NBA at 28-7. and seven. And I really think Steph's the MVP at this point, if he keeps yeah, it no up. Yeah, no question. I've got one. Else um, quick take. Yeah, okay. yeah, I have a, I have a quick sure. take. I think Sony Michelle is, is this year's playoff Lenny. Oh, wow. And I like since, it. Since inserting Sony Good into dogs. the starting lineup out of necessity – the Rams have gone five and zero, and he's had basically five really good games. Where at least he's run for is about eighty yards a game. He's run for one thirty one against the Vikings, one twenty one against the Jags, ninety two against the Seahawks, and scored some important touchdowns during that streak. If he keeps it up in the playoffs, he is our next playoff Lenny, and is going to score big in the free agent market. Interesting. Sounds like a good fantasy uh, player. Interesting. Yeah, bro. All right. Good one. (laughs) All right. Anybody else on a quick take? No. All right. Let's do it. Milk. Come on, man. It's time. Punchable face of the week. Let's do it. Yeah, baby. Um, I just want you guys to know that how um, 
I have never seen anything in my life, and I know no one else has either, than what I witnessed yesterday in the Tampa Bay Buccaneer-New York Jets game. Not only was I shocked that the Bucs were down two TDs to the Jets, which in itself, in and of itself was amazing, I'm watching the game, and suddenly they pan to the end zone where a shirtless, I thought it was a fan, had stormed the field. A shirtless Antonio Brown is jumping up and down, um, throwing his gloves into the stadium and proceeds to run out into and out of the stadium into the locker room. And the announcers are sitting there going, I think Antonio Brown just quit the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And um, we all know the story now. Uh, There's a lot of. It you know there's a lot of of he said she said going on. Uh, Antonio Brown is claiming that he is injured or was injured and couldn't go back into the game and help his team. And Bruce Arians was forcing him to uh, go back into the game. Um, Bruce Arians denied that today. I don't know the story. All I know is a couple of things. One. I don't care what the hell is happening. I don't care what kind of fight you're in, what kind of argument you're in, what is going on. The antics that he pulled yesterday are complete and utter bullshit. You don't throw your, you take your pads off. And in the middle, by the way, of an in the middle of the game, we're, we were on the 48 yard line of the New York jets down by two touchdowns. We needed Antonio Brown at this point. He's on the other end zone pulling this, this horse shit. Um, and, the whole thing about him being injured, by the way, is complete and utter BS. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but our entire team this year has been injured. And the most sympathetic coach you will find to injuries and not forcing people to do anything is Bruce Arians. Like our entire team is injured and he doesn't rush people back. He's not forcing anybody back into a game. That's bullshit. Also, it was completely like like Antonio Brown was going to make a million dollars over the next two day, next two games, if he just stayed in and got like 80 yards. And last year, I don't know if you remember this, but in the final game of the year, he had the same incentives. And Tom Brady was literally throwing him like two-yard passes to make sure he got the incentives. None of this makes sense. It's all horseshit. He's a fucking asshole. And I was feeling a little bit bad for him. I was like, this whole mental health thing, and I get it, and I feel bad for him, and I hope he gets help. But then he goes on Twitter and he starts promoting his new single on that's now uh, and it gets up to the 84th spot and he's highlighting that because that's an old number or whatever. And um, and then he does something about gremlins. What the fuck is the gremlin shit? Super gremlin. That's, that's another song. Some some rap song. He's in the back Catchy. of a of Uber. A Uber. <laughs> he's. Fuck him. He's gone. I, I, I hope he never plays in the NFL again. He abandoned his teammates. You should have, and Evans and Gronkowski and those guys, you should have heard him after the game. They were like, basically like, oh, I don't know. I didn't notice it. I was too busy having my pads on trying to help our team come back from down, down two TDs. So I don't feel sorry for him. I don't feel bad at all. You loved him a lot when he was getting you his Super Bowl milk. I, you loved him a lot. Let's I play did, it back. And, I, and I'm confused by the whole situation because he did great for a year. 
I don't know what happened. I thought, I thought, the t- I thought it, things had changed. This was his second chance. We give second chances here. He had stayed out of trouble. There have been no issues with Antonio Brown an entire year. And then all of a sudden this happened. You mean no issues? He, he oh, no, faked, no. He yeah, faked the well, back sorry, card. The, sorry, the yeah. vaccination card. I forgot. I mean, other than that. I'm talking about, I mean, he wasn't getting arrested. He wasn't causing fights during practice, that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden this comes out of nowhere. So look, he's got some problems. Look at his history at Pittsburgh. It's totally predictable. Right. Yeah. It's not. And at Oakland. This is not some, this is a continual trend. This, this is. Tomlin coddled him for nine years. Bottom line is, well, this, well, this is a guy who took 30 million in guaranteed money from the Raiders. And then never stepped foot on the field because he didn't like the helmet. He didn't like the helmet, so he didn't play. Right. I mean, give me a break. And I feel badly for him because he clearly has this. problems with his mental health, but he also has a personality disorder. He, he does. He's the a Bucks bad man. With it. They knew he was a bad man. They knew he had mental health problems. They knew he was a narcissist. He knew he had personality disorder. They knew his, of his past. And they took him anyway because they wanted the Holy Grail, and they got it. And then in the middle of the game, they cut him. And what did you think was going to happen with this patient, this mental health patient, when you cut him <laughs> in the middle of the game? <laughs> I mean, honestly, seriously. You know, like, honestly, you exploited you exploited him for uh, your own victory. That wasn't a cut in the middle of the game. It was like a heat-of-the-moment coach saying, go fuck yourself. He said, go back in the game. We're down by two TDs on the 48-yard line. I would like for you to go play, Antonio. No, I'm not going back in. They okay, get ankle, out of here. The, right. My ankle hurts. Uh, oh, you know, the one did. that I just hopped across uh, end zone on and sprinted 52 yards to get there. House House has got this right. Look, the NFL talks about being there for their players. They talk about supporting these guys. They talk about mental health issues. Bullshit. They want these guys on the field performing. And if you're not there to perform, fuck off and die. That's the NFL's view on these guys. This Antonio Brown, you're right. You can't have him on your team. And his career, his NFL career should be over now. It should be over. No team should take another chance on him. But we could have said that two other times. And unfortunately, he needs to be under a doctor's care right now. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know he, he was on Twitter and all that stuff after the game. That doesn't change the fact that he's having a mental break right now. Yeah. And he needs to be a, being observed by a doctor. And, and it's sad, but his NFL career should be over. And that doesn't mean the NFL should turn their back on him. They ought to be, they ought to have security, NFL security guys around him, making sure he doesn't do something that's going to hurt himself or someone else. I, do, I don't just before, Yeah, just I agree before, with you. Bison. But I, I think somebody will pick him up. That's a sad thing. Just before the Bucks signed him, there was a video of him abusing verbally in his driveway, also with his shirt off, in the most awful way, the mothers of one of his children. And that was before the Bucks signed him. That was before the NFL should have never let him in. I mean, talk about, oh, let's protect women. Let's protect against abuse. They rolled out the red carpet so this guy could get a team of Super Bowl. It's disgusting. Oh, I, I agree. Free no, AB. Bill, Obviously, Brady AB. had a lot to do with that. Brady's he, always he had definitely, a thing for him. He wants to help him for, you know, for whatever reason. He ought, when, at New England. Remember he was on New England for like a day? 
and he offered him to stay at his house and all this stuff. He, he, I think Brady sees that he's so talented, generational talent, and he's just completely bothered by the fact he's flushing it down the toilet and he wanted mm-hmm. to help him up. And, you know, he is flushed, definitely he worthy. It. He's worthy of a punchable face. No doubt about it. But everybody should come and after he gets knocked down, pick him up and, and take him to the doctor. I'm going to slap himself. him in the face. I won't punch Fine. him. Fine. Open that. fist slap. Okay. That sounds Open like something fist you would slap. That's how, that sounds I'm, like how I'm, you roll I'm milk. Get... Open fist right. slap anyway. That sounds <laughs> no, right for milk. No, so. I'm, the guy that, I'm the guy that comes in at the end of the fight and kicks you. You know, you're the guy who provokes <laughs> it and then, then, then steps back into the background. After milk. you guys have beat up somebody, I'll come in and I'll, I'll kick you in the face. Milk, we're sticking with you. Let's uh, let's stop stop kicking people in the face and let's talk about a Ted Lasso. This is actually a really badass story. Like you sent it out yesterday, Toby. I think it was you in the morning. I, I had no idea. So it comes out of Seattle, the Kraken, my favorite, second favorite NHL team. So this is a this is a nut. This is a crazy story. Like so, the this girl is sitting behind behind she she shares uh season tickets with her stepdad she's sitting behind the kraken bench and she's a she's going to medical school next year i think um and she's spending her time she volunteers at hospitals and all she's like she's got she's like the greatest person ever and she notices this like discolored mole or or something on the back of the equipment manager's neck and she immediately is like, that's, I can tell that's cancer. I've seen enough of these to know. So she's trying to get his attention and it's the middle of a hockey game. She's like banging on the glass, which of course everyone's doing anyways. So no one's really paying attention. So she finally goes to her phone and I guess puts together like a, a note in her iPhone and she makes it like huge lettering by the way. And like finally gets his attention and puts the phone up to the glass and it's like that mole you have is cancer. And I guess he sees it kind of a, you know, he says that he saw the text and it was like the end of the game or something like that. And he's walking off. Then he goes and like feels it. And he's like, oh shit, I didn't notice that. And he goes home to his wife. She's like, yeah, that looks weird. He goes to the doctor, the team doctor, team doctor cut, does a biopsy, comes back. It's a melanoma, which I had a melanoma. It's the worst type of skin cancer. If you don't get it treated, it's literally like one of the, it's a vicious cancer. It'll, it'll completely destroy all your organs, your brain, everything. It's horrible, but it's also one, if you catch it early, your, your chance of survival is like 90%, 95%. Um, and he goes and gets a, gets it fully removed and everything. Then he's like, well, God, I want to thank this girl, of course. And he, they put out a note on social media, the Kraken do, like, hey, this happened. I, I think it was the Canucks know. that put it out. Was it Canucks? The opposing team. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was the opposing I, team. I, that's amazing. Okay. He, she did it for an opposing team coach. Oh, right. oh, okay. Okay. My bad. So, and they they put it out, and like, we don't, we don't know who you are. And I guess her mom saw it, right? And called her up and was like, this is you. You told me about this. Like, and they finally find her, they reunite her, they give her starting medical school, maybe in the fall, and they give her 
a $10,000 scholarship to her medical school. And he's, he's fine. Now the cancer's gone. It's unbelievable story. Like so cool. This is what we need. And not to mention also like, she is just like a great person. She spends all her time volunteering at hospitals and, and she literally spent New Year's Eve working the phones at a suicide crisis yeah. prevention hotline. <laughs> right. like, I know. Like, I don't know about you, that? that's, that's not what I did on New Year's Eve. So. I, don't think any, I don't think the five of us would do that. The world yeah. needs more people like this, and she better become a dermatologist because she's like the best dermatologist ever <laughs> in this. So uh, really cool, totally deserving of a lasso. Um, and uh, you love to see hear stories like this. Nadia Popovich. Nadia, yeah. Nadia good one. Popovich. That's that's definitely a good one. All right, guys. Uh, long pod. We got to wrap it up with a couple quick pour outs. And uh, Pope Rooster, take us out tonight with these with a couple pour outs. I'll let I'll let Rooster close. Uh, Dan Reeves passed away this week. Uh, one of the longtime NFL great, you know coaches just persons in general uh was undrafted signed with the cowboys as a rookie free agent didn't play too many years there he's more a player coach ultimately in coaching tom landry brought him under his wing ultimately ended up with the broncos coached there for 12 years with elway went to three super bowls then he went to the giants another super bowl and then and he went to the uh Excuse me, not Giants. Then he went to the Falcons where he had another Super Bowl. Uh, He won two Super Bowls as a player coach. Uh, He he didn't win any Super Bowls as a coach, but Dan was considered to be one of the gentlemen of the NFL. Uh, Anybody who talked uh, about him said, you know, he was one of the great guys. And uh, NFL is uh, missing uh, Dan Reeves. He was a great guy. Pour out for Dan. Here, here. Cheers. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up with a pour out for the great, the one and only John Madden. We, I mean, we've heard a ton about him and about his coaching career. Uh, everybody knows about his business acumen through Madden, NFL Madden, um, but he was truly a um, transcendent color analyst who changed sports broadcasting, and uh, we've all heard about that too. Um, you know, before him. Even Howard Cosell thought that football was too hard for the average fan to understand, so they weren't even going to try to explain it. And, you know, he would just cut to Frank Gifford and Don Meredith for quips, but no no real analysis. Madden changed all that. And I can I'll give you a, a definite um, example of my favorite time in, in the NFL was – in the era when the 49ers and the Giants were fighting it out for supremacy in the league every year, and in comes Bill Walsh, who coached from 79 to 88, and brings in this crazy West Coast offense that the league was just wasn't really that used to and didn't understand. And John Madden helped people understand it with his telestrator and the whole bit. But then Parcells started coaching in the middle of all that in 83 for the Giants, and he countered this West Coast, you know, dink pass offense with a 3-4 defense, which you hardly ever see anymore. And he's got Lawrence Taylor, and he's got Harry Carson and Carl Banks roaming all over, you know, breaking up these short passes and fast enough to rush the passer, even though he's taking a three-stop step drop. and. Parcell and 
John Madden explained that to the fans. This is why this defense works against that offense. And it was just fascinating to finally understand what you were watching rather than just watching the ball, as most fans do. You know, ball gets handed off to the running back. Ball gets thrown to the receiver. Madden helped you understand why the line was doing what they were doing while, you know, while the why the non-pass catching receivers who were blocking were so important in certain plays. It was just a whole new level. And really he and, and Pat Summerall are the best uh, announcing combination of all time. They did eight Super Bowls together. No one will ever come close to being as good as they were. And during Madden's time, the best the competition could do for color analysts was Bob Trumpy, Merlin Olson, and Dan Deardorff. I mean, they just didn't even come close to touching Madden's entertainment value, which was huge. I mean, the guy was a gazillionaire because the networks, if they wanted any kind of legitimacy, they just lured him away. And uh, he was a great, shrewd businessman as well. Uh, Laura and I stayed at his hotel in Pleasanton, California. And he owned, not only did he own the hotel, but he owned a big portion of the town. And unlike most towns where you go and some celebrity owns everything, the people there loved this guy. I mean, they all they all just loved him and had nothing but nice things to say about him. So pour one out. Cheers to John Madden, a life well lived and a serious sports icon who may never be replicated, even though people like Chris Collinsworth try awfully hard. Yeah. You're here. You're well, here. All right. Good show, guys. We Good will uh, see you guys next week. See you next week. SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison-Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.